Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. One of the great pleasures of this job is that I get to read so many great books by authors from here and all across the world. And that makes today's show a particularly fun endeavor. We're joined by authors, a bookseller, and a critic to talk about their favorite books of the year. I'll share some of my favorites from authors we hosted here on the show, and we'll take your calls on the books that you couldn't stop talking about. Maybe we'll even help you pick a few last-minute gifts. It's one of our last live shows of 2022, and it's all about the year in books. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There are so, so, so many books published each year. Thousands and thousands of authors' hopes pressed between covers and sent out into the cruel world. We talked about dozens of books on the show this year, and I'll be sharing a few faves of mine as the hour goes on. But first, let me introduce our panel of book lovers and readers who help us sort through the galleys and find the gold. First, we're joined by Brad Johnson, owner of East Bay Booksellers in Oakland. Welcome, Brad. Uh, thanks, Alexis. It's always good uh, being on the show. We're also joined by Anita Felicelli, editor with the Alta Journals of California Book Club. She serves as the 2022-23 Fiction Chair on the board of the National Book Critics Circle. Her books include Chimerica, a novel, and the short story collection Love Songs for a Lost Continent. Welcome, Anita. Hey. Hey, uh, we're also joined by Carlos Lozada, uh, opinion columnist with the New York Times and author of What Were We Thinking? A Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era and former nonfiction book critic at the Washington Post. Welcome, Carlos. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, and welcome back too, Anita. It's been kind of fun. We have wanted to have Brad on the show for a long time. We've wanted to have Carlos and we have had Anita. So I think this is a good, this is a perfect uh, panel for us. Um, Brad, let's start with you. Um, what has the year in kind of independent bookstores been uh, for East Bay booksellers? Uh, thanks, Alexis. It's always good uh, being on the show. Um, and uh, this year has been very interesting. It's been fun. Uh, we have been able to more or less match uh, in the same sort of in-store sales that we had last year, which uh, were historically very good, uh, if not great. Um, and uh, it's been exciting. I, I've really been enjoying 
this holiday season in particular, because there's not been like this, I don't know, this, this book, this death star of a book that absorbs <laughs> all of the attention and yeah. it's been sort of diffuse. And mm. I like that. I like being able to point in a lot of different directions. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot. And it's, it's allowed stores to really be good cheerleaders for, for their tastes and their interests. Yeah. Like the point of view of East Bay booksellers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can really, really kind of just make a, an emphasis about what sets us apart as our store or as any particular store. Yeah. So here's a two-part question for you. What's a book that you see flying off the shelves at East Bay Booksellers? And what's a book that you'd like to see flying off the shelves that maybe hasn't gotten the attention that it deserves? Uh, a book that's flying off the shelf um, is, is definitely Barbara Kingsolver's Demon Copperhead. Uh, we, we always know that Barbara Kingsolver's books are going to sell well, but I've ultimately kind of had to been chasing to, to chase this book to get it back into stock it's really uh been uh i don't want to say surprising but like just the the eagerness for it has been pretty intense yeah. um a book that i really love and it's selling okay but it's a uh, you know it's from uh, mit press so it's doesn't have quite the marketing bandwidth but there's this wonderful book um by a philosopher and um, also, a, um, I, think, I think it's a neuroscience called Curious Minds. Hmm. And it's all about the cultural history, the psychology, the philosophy of curiosity. And they argue that curiosity is what binds us together as humans, but also to humans, to the world. Um, and in many respects, curiosity is what I feel like I'm in the business of. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's just a delightful read. It, it goes, it spans the, you know, sort of intellectual history from the classics, uh, Greek classics, up all the way up to like Google algor algorithms. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Really, really wonderfully written. I want so many people to know about that. It's called yeah. Curious Minds. Curious Minds. I love MIT Press. They put out some amazing books. Um, Anita Felicelli, let's talk about the kind of fiction and what kind of trends that you've seen there and, you know, your kind of various roles that you have, which I'm sure involve reading piles and piles of books. Sure. Yeah, it does involve reading piles and piles of books. <laughs> they're, they're basically all over my living room and, and uh, frustrating my family. But um, <laughs> let's see. So I think uh, what I've seen that I've been very excited about is uh, elucidation of female consciousness and gender identity and gender uh, politics in fiction. I think there are several books that, that come to mind in that regard. Uh, there are books like A Tiny Upward Shove uh, by Melissa Chadburn and Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gunty, which are both books that um, consider sexual assault, uh, the foster care system, and it kind of looks at the interplay between what's going on in in a woman's mind and what's going on socially mm. um, that's that's resulting in in uh how violence you, yeah how, how would you say that kind of differs from you know authors who focused on female consciousness in the past like you know your virginia wolf or tony morrison or sylvia plath like what are the do you think there's new things that are happening with that presentation of consciousness yes absolutely i think uh there's a lot of emphasis on the female consciousness as, as a 
primary as opposed to a secondary or um, purely victimized uh, outlook. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also some radical things happening in terms of drawing in uh, things like folklore in the tiny upward shove or Catholic saints in rabbit hutch, trying to make a a greater tapestry of Hmm. consciousness as made up of lots of different things and kind of a postmodern uh, taking the influences of postmodernism to to re redefine consciousness. Yeah, um, Carlos, let's talk a little bit about nonfiction book landscape. Just as we kind of lay the foundation here for the year in in books, um, were there was there like a wave of books that came out this year? Is this like pandemic book year? Are we still processing the Trump years? Like what what's happening in nonfiction books? Yeah, you're right that they very much come in waves. I remember early in the Trump presidency, it's like every book was about the death of democracy, right? You had, you know, all these big books on on that. Um, the pandemic interrupted that. Uh, you had a series of, of pandemic books. Pandemic diaries were very popular for mm-hmm. a while, um, in part because they're kind of the quickest and easiest to write before we're, you know, <laughs> while we're still processing the, um, the, the whole situation. Um, and then it kind of shifted back to politics. Um, it became really dire. You suddenly had a spate of books that were all about uh, sort of a new coming civil war in America, right? How Civil Wars Start by Barbara Walter was a big book. Um, Divided We Fall by David French. Um, uh, even a, a Canadian writer stepped in, Stephen March, and started writing about sort of the, the coming American civil war. Um, what you've seen a lot this year um has been books that are exploring the sort of fate of the Republican Party and that are trying to make sense of the enduring appeal of the big lie. Um uh and and January 6th. You know, that was that was a big focus in in political publishing. And you know, there's books that try to sort of put you know, wrap up in nice little bow, the 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 end of the Trump era. You've had these kind of histories of of the Trump era um, that have come out. Maggie Haberman's big book, Confidence Man, The Divider by Peter Baker and Susan Glasser. Um, you know, there's a great one called Trump What, we were, never what were We Thinking? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah yes. I mean, I, I tried to do that two years ago, you know, and and the Trump era doesn't um seem to have the the courtesy of ending so that these publishers can kind of like, you know, put their put their final codas on them. Um, and finally, now you're starting to see um, some uh, books potentially starting to create some distance from the former president on on the right and in the party. Mike Pence's memoir is is the the beginning of what I think will be um, uh, conservative writers or Republican Party former officials, um, you know, creating that that distance. Yeah. Did you have a book? that was working in kind of a different register in nonfiction, but that still had uh, some, some bearing on kind of our national situation. I mean, I think for me, I guess the book that, that I think of that was most influential for me in political thing was this book called Elite Capture by Olufemi Taiwo. And mm-hmm. I, are there other books like that, that maybe are a little bit outside of kind of, we have Democrats writing about the fall of democracy and we have Republicans trying to separate themselves or attach themselves to uh, former President Trump. Yes. And and those books that are, as you say, sort of in a different register are are kind of my favorite ones to read and write about, you know, because um, 
for better or for worse, everyone's reading those other books or discussing those other books on the bestseller list. You don't need me to show up and 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 tell you about them. Um, there's a book I really liked called The Quiet Before by Gal Beckerman, um, who is now um, a senior editor at The Atlantic magazine. And it's kind of like 10 books in one. Um, what he does is he looks at a bunch of case studies of moments in the world when there were big political revolts or shifts in in culture. And this can be in different continents and different centuries. You know, it's it could be 17th century scholars in Europe, um, you know, transforming astronomy or Soviet era dissidents, you know, sharing secret writings or, you know, riot girl zines in the 90s or white nationalists um, organizing the the Unite the Right rally in, in Charlottesville. And what he does in each of these case studies is he explores the substance of the movements for sure, but also how they communicate, how writers and activists, intellectuals, you know, argue and refine their ideas before they put them out into the world. He calls this slow thinking. And he really worries that modern social movements often organize very quickly on social media, um, move too fast to really last. When the, um, the Arab Spring happened and, you know, Facebook was such an important tool to topple the Egyptian dictator, the opposition didn't know what to do next. Hmm. Um, and so this book kind of harkens back to that that slow thinking that that leads to more lasting change. Oh, that's interesting. We're talking about the notable books of 2022 with Carlos Lozada, an opinion columnist at The New York Times and author of What Were We Thinking? A Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era. Anita Felicelli, editor of Alta Journal's California Book Club, among many other things. And Brad Johnson, owner of East Bay Booksellers in Oakland, one of the great bookstores uh, of the Bay Area. And we want to hear from you. What was a book you read in 2022 that stayed with you? And why can't you stop thinking about it? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum. And, of course, the email the preferred mode of writers forum at kqd.org. Uh, one listener writes in to say, A Place for Us by Fatima Farin. Brilliant, captivating, and reminded me of my childhood and the great love that siblings have for each other. A wonderful story. Stay tuned for more book recommendations right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is our big 
Book Roundup Show of 2022, joined by Brad Johnson, who owns East Bay Booksellers in Oakland, uh, right on on College Ave. We've also got Anita Felicelli, editor of Alta Journal's California Book Club, and she's the 2022-2023 Fiction Chair on the board of the National Book Critics Circle, also a, a novelist in, in her own right, as well as Carlos Lozada, opinion columnist with The New York Times and author of What Were We Thinking? A Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era, and you may know his work from... Uh, when he was at the Washington Post as the nonfiction book critic there. We're going to take your recommendations as well. What book has uh, stayed with you in 2022 and why you can't stop thinking about it? The number is 866-733-6786. Got some comments, a bunch of comments coming in. Uh, Kate writes in to say, please encourage people to get a library card if they don't already have one, and they might like to know that you can check out books to electronic devices like the Kindle with a card too. No more Amazon. Aside from the Kindle. <laughs> uh, and I will say, our kids have listened to so many books via Libby um, with, uh, from, the, from the libraries. It's amazing. Um, let's bring in someone who had to launch a book uh, this year. Wahini Var is the author of The Immortal King Rao, former business editor at NewYorker.com and a former reporter for The Wall Street Journal in San Francisco. Welcome, Wahini. Thanks for having me. So what was it like? I mean, you know, if you had a book coming out in 2020, that was bad. 2021, still pretty bad. How about 2022? Yes. Yeah, so um, as it happens, I, I sold my book to my publisher, Norton, the day before this, the World Health Organization declared that a pandemic was coming. And then my <laughs> husband, who's also a writer, he's the writer, Andrew Altschul, put out his book, The Gringa, on that day in 2020. Ooh. And it was early enough in the pandemic that he had this whole book tour planned and kept like going to every city where he needed to talk about his book. And then that day the bookstore would call him and be like, actually, we're not having you come in. So that was awful. Mm -hmm. And um, I watched all of it. I watched him go through it. I watched friends go through it, um, including debut author friends in 2020 and 2021. And my book was supposed to originally come out in 2021. And then my publisher pushed it back for various re reasons, including to try to wait out the worst of the pandemic. And I was lucky that they did because by the time my book came out in May of this year, things were in the world of being able to go out and talk talk about your book. Things were more or less back to normal, and so yeah. I felt I felt grateful for my book to come out this year. So you were able to do some events, and you were able to kind of like uh, do retail it out a little bit. What the what the book is is all about? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so without giving away too much, can you tell us just a little bit about what the book is about? Yes. So it is the story of um, a boy who's born on this coconut grove in the south of India in the 1950s. In he's a precocious kid. He grows up um, sort of under difficult circumstances. He belongs to the Dalit group, which is oppressed in India. And he grows up in these difficult circumstances, but he's a precocious kid. He grows up. He moves to the U.S. for graduate school um, to study engineering and then starts a tech company in the 1970s, which ends up um, zooming into the future, becoming the biggest tech company in the world, and then zooming even further into a sort of um, imagined near future. He ends up kind of engineering a takeover of the world government through, um, through his company, essentially, and through all mm -hmm. of his wealth and power that he's attained. The story is actually narrated by his daughter, who's sort of born into this future world. And mm. it kind of spans all these different time periods from the 1950s in India to the 1970s 
in Seattle to this near future. You know, how did you see this interacting with other books that kind of were, were technological development and the tech industry itself kind of is a character in the book? Like I'm thinking, you know, someone we had on the show, Jennifer Egan, for her book, you know, uh, Candy House or, you know, before that, Welcome to the Goon Squad, which it's a semi-sequel to. Yeah, it's funny. I started my novel in 2009 and was like, I'm writing a book that's nothing like anything anyone else is writing. It spans all these different time periods. And there's a technology in my novel in which um, in which um, people can read one another's minds using technology. There's like a new product that allows. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. I thought I was so cutting edge. I thought I was doing something so new. And then fast forward to 2022 when my book comes out. I find out it's coming out around the same time as the new Jennifer Egan book, which is also about a tech CEO who has created a product that allows for mind reading. And so I think, I mean, I think something has really been um, in the zeitgeist, um, not just for writers, but for all of us um, as a as a society. I think we're increasingly aware of the role of technology in our lives, the sort of intrusive role of technology in our lives, the compounding wealth and power of mm-hmm. um of actual tech moguls in our actual world. And so I think that all combined to sort of create this moment when actually, we're actually, my book, um, I mean, I like to think my book is original, I hope it is, but um, some of the some of the things in it that I thought were such original conceits actually are things that a lot of writers are exploring now. You know, Anita, Wahini's book was on your list of favorites. Can you tell us what you liked about it? Sure. I I loved this book. I think it's one of the best books of the year. Definitely one of the most important to my mind. Um, I I think it's a, as Wahini said, it's an intricately told epic. It's also a multi-generational saga. It presses past boundaries between genres, but also between people with the idea of going into being able to access someone else's consciousness. And going back to my earlier point, it has a lot to do with um, the social tapestry and the fraying of so- social tapestry via technology that re- reshapes our relationships to each other. I think one of the things that really interested me about it was trying to look at how somebody from this oppressed background uh, crosses a boundary by immigrating and then is trying to develop a new technology and sort of reshape um how people relate to one another, but it ends up that he reinscribes certain kinds of stratifications mm. and boundaries between people as well in creating this new AI. Mm. And I think there's just, there's drama in it. It's just this really beautiful uh, working together of what I think is, I guess it's supposed to be science fictional, but it's more like fictional science, but it also <laughs> <laughs> draws very deeply from history, from theory, from, um, you know, from anarchic theory, from feminist history. I, it's just, it's a gorgeous book. I yeah. couldn't recommend it more. That's a nice recommendation. Uh, Wahini, do you want to recommend a fellow debut author? I, it kind of seems like it's like a college class kind of thing, you know? You're like, ah, yes, we published books, these debut authors of 2022. So um, is there somebody that that comes to mind for you? Um, yeah, f- first of all, it's very surreal to be on a show with someone talking um, so beautifully about my book. So that that was really nice to hear. And thank you, Anita, for for being such a thoughtful reader of it. Um, uh, God, okay, I have, um, I think I, I have two that are tied. Um, 
One is a book called All This Could Be Different by a writer named Sarah Thuncombe Matthews. And I felt like I knew about this book early and I felt like I discovered it and then was kind of like not disappointed. Um, I was very happy for Sarah, but I was disappointed in that way that like you get disappointed when your favorite band, your favorite makes band it gets it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, because it ended up being... Um, being uh, one of the finalists for the National Book Award. So it's not like this is a book nobody knows about, but I just love this book, All This Could Be Different, because um, it's like, you know, I, I wrote this novel that like felt very complicated to me. It's trying to do a lot. It spans all these different time periods. And I wanted to immerse myself this year in books that just like felt really in the moment, felt immersive in one person's consciousness. Mm. And All This Could Be Different was that for me. Um, it's about this... Um, this young woman in her twenties in Milwaukee, like trying to find her way in the world, um, which makes it sound like a lot of other books, but the way in which the story is told is really original. The sentences are really beautiful. Like you just feel like you're meeting this person that both feels very familiar and is unlike any other voice you've read in fiction. Yeah. Um, and then the other is this book called If an Egyptian Cannot Speak English by a writer yeah. named Noor Naga, um, which won this year's, um, Center for Fiction's um, first uh, first novel prize, mm -hmm. um, which was a prize I was shortlisted for, but I was so psyched when this book won it because I think it was I think it was one of the best book books of the year. Um, and it's like I think it'll appeal to anyone who like wants to read something literary, but also wants something kind of like something juicy in it. It's it's this like dark romance between this Egyptian American woman who goes to live in Cairo, but really doesn't know a lot about Egyptian culture, about Egyptian life, even though she thinks of herself as Egyptian. And then meets this guy, this sort of like charming guy, um, you know, who like, who in an American context, you might describe as like being from the wrong side of the tracks, but this like charming guy who comes from a really difficult upbringing and background and is also trying to make his way and so it's like this sexy dark romance, but it's also about these clashes between mm. the very, the different worldviews that these two characters have. And it ends up being about colonialism, about globalization, ends up being about so many things other than just the sexy dark romance, which is also a great aspect of it. Seems like a good combo. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Wahini Vara is the author of The Immortal King Rao, former business editor at NewYorker.com and a former reporter for The Wall Street Journal in San Francisco. As you heard earlier, Anita Felicelli also uh, highly recommends this book, The Immortal King Rao. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Wahini. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to go to the phones. We do want to hear from you. Uh, we want to know what's a book you read in 2022 that stayed with you and why can't you stop uh, thinking about it? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Let's uh, bring in Kathleen in Martinez. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name, thank you, Kathleen from Martinez. Uh, a book that really sticks out for me is the word "How the Word Is Passed" by Clint Smith, mm -hmm. and it's about uh, it's about slavery and about how the the how it affects us now, even in, from the past. It takes us on a tour of all the different monuments and different things, and brings together intergenerational aspects of it. But it's exceptionally moving book yeah. for me. It's nonfiction. And I think it should be read by everybody, myself, and also think it should be used in schools to teach uh, teach about um, about slavery. 
And a, a couple of other ones that are really very, very helpful to me this past year were David Grant's books, Killer of the Flower Moon, about Native Americans and the Lost City of Z. Uh, those two books, all of those are nonfiction. Oh, Thank actually, yeah, they are. Or, yeah. or historical fiction, I guess, are his books. So those ones are, are very important. I just, they're very, very moving. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to ask uh, you, Carlos, about this. I, it feel, felt to me like we had a pretty amazing set of kind of literary memoirs. Uh, and I'm sure we'll end up talking about more of them. But they kind of started even right at the beginning of the year. We had Lost and Found by Catherine Schultz, uh, the New Yorker writer. Um, it's just this kind of astounding meditation on losing her father, but also, you know, kind of finding love. And it takes it's like takes the title somewhat literally and then does things with it that are just very, very beautiful. Um, given that you mostly review kind of harder nonfiction uh, around, you know, politics in particular, did you find anything in this kind of memoir realm this year that you felt was like a, a particular standout? Carlos, are you there? All right, Brad, let's... Uh... My, my apologies. Oh, I, was, I, was, uh, I, was, I was muted, unfortunately. Oh, no um, problem, no problem. Uh, one book that I want to... One, one memoir that I would, I would love to highlight um, is called Easy Beauty by mm. Chloe Kerr Jones. It's one of those cases where just the, the, the voice propelling you through a book is just so quietly captivating that you just want to kind of stay in that writer's hands. You know, um, Jones is a, a freelance writer, a professor of, of philosophy with like multiple PhDs who happens to suffer from a debilitating um, disability from, from birth. Her, her, her hip joints are, are misaligned. Her legs from the knees down are, underdeveloped and disproportionate to the rest of her body. So she's she's very short. Her walking is very labored. It puts a lot of pressure on her spine. So she lives in a constant state of, of pain management. Brad, I wanted to uh, jump in here with you, uh, Brad Johnson, owner of East Bay Booksellers in, in Oakland. Um, when we look at the that kind of literary memoir realm like how how do you see it um like how do we make sense of these of these books like that are you know they they are written like novels but they're about the you know they're just about life um yeah we, it's always a difficult one for us to know where to put in the store mm -hmm. uh we have a very some would say idiosyncratic way of doing it where we we have a biography section, but it's like maybe two shelves. And so everyone seems to think that we don't have a uh, memoir section, but in fact, they're just sort of filtered out around the store in the, so if it's written by an athlete uh, or a musician, it will be in the sports or music section. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I just don't really know what the biography genre is. <laughs> For me, it's just like, it's good writing or it's not. <laughs> um, or it's somewhere in between. Um, and so it's, I don't read a lot of them personally. And it's, and I'm always very intrigued by people who want to browse exclusively biographies. And I want, I would love to just have a conversation about like, why, like, mm -hmm. what are they, what are they looking for? Uh, I don't mean why in a pejorative sense, but like, 
to learn what they are looking for. Because uh, for me as a reader, I, it's, it's just nothing that I think about immediately or intuitively. Yeah. I mean, Anita, you know, for me, I was realizing that this year, I, and I, I have not traditionally read a ton of things that are kind of in this memoir realm. But for me this year, maybe my top four books were all in this category. And I'm not sure what The Man Who Could Move Clouds by Ingrid Rojas Contreras, who was on the show. Stay True by uh, Wasu, which is also just amazing. Um, Lost and Found, Catherine Schultz, I mentioned earlier, and Solito by Javier Zamora, all kind of fall in, into this realm. Um, is there some, is it a, a, a type of writing you like? Yes, I love memoirs. I love the sort of the emotional intimacy of getting deep into someone's life and mind. Uh, Wasu's uh, Stay True was also a, a top book for me this year. It's just what a what a gorgeous look at uh, friendship and a certain time period at Cal and how violence can break that apart um, and what you're what you're left with, what what kind of grief process you go through after that but it's also just a beautiful look at friendship it's it's Mm -hmm. about a deep friendship between two very different um asian americans at cal and one of them is killed but he is the one that's the he's a kind of a frat boy kind of popular uh wasu is telling uh, i'm going to talk about him as as if he's a character but um but he's a little bit alienated a little edgy he's now you know a a new yorker staff writer but as he tells it, he was actually just extremely into music and sort of Mm -hmm. offbeat music. And he had to kind of reshape himself and how he thought about the world through this friendship with someone who was so different from himself, even though they shared a common identity. People know I love Wes book a a ton just because male friendships just rarely get that kind of lavish detailed description of kind of the development of, of just, Two people who end up really uh, loving each other and and paying attention to each other in ways that um, you know you rarely see. There's I, like my line on it is there's tons of books about uh, being bros. There's very few good books about being men who are friends. Uh, we're talking about notable books from 2022 with Anita Felicelli, the editor of Alter Journal's California Book Club, who serves as the 2022-23 Fiction Chair on the board of the National Book Critics Circle, as well as Brad Johnson, owner of East Bay Booksellers in Oakland. Earlier, we were joined by Wahini Vara, author of The Immortal King Rao, uh, which is a, a debut novel this year. That is excellent. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about notable books from 2022 with East Bay booksellers Brad Johnson, Alta Journal's California Book Club editor, Anita Falicelli, Carlos Lozada, opinion columnist with the New York Times. Let's bring in another caller, Akai in Palo Alto. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, go ahead. What was the book that uh, stuck with you? Yeah, so this year I read Lawrence Williams' uh, uh, Heartbreak, uh, Personal and Scientific Journey. Mm. Uh, It's a really, really great book. Uh, I both read it and listened to the audio version, which was phenomenal. Uh, It's written by Lawrence Williams, who is a journalist. Uh, Her husband left her after, I think, 25 years of marriage. Mm. Just out of the blue, he, he walked out. And so she was faced with trying to get over uh, what happened and, and understand what was happening to her mentally and physically. And it's a really, really beautiful story of, of her starting out on the, I believe it's the Colorado River. She's going to mm-hmm. go kayak uh, down the river. And the story just takes off from there. And she pursues every single avenue um, what what is heartbreak? Uh, what what happens in the body? Um, it's it's really really good and it's hilarious. Um, I I just thought it was a great great book and the audio version is is unbelievably amazing. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we ha- we had her on the show. She it, it is a, a great book, a really wonderful mix of kind of great science journalism and and reporting with you know this kind of personal story uh, of healing. That's heartbreak by Florence uh, Williams. Thanks for that recommendation, Kai. I'm glad you glad you enjoyed it. Um, I would love to hear from our authors about some of the books that were sort of far away from your own personal experience. And, you know, I'll, I'll start off just, you know, there's a, a book by Abdurazak Gurna um, called Afterlives, which is set uh, in the early 20th century in, in East Africa. And there's these, there's a, a series of wars going on both be- between uh, tribal peoples and also uh, colonial powers. And it's just one of those books that, you know, I, I had no experience with, with Zanzibar personally. But the narration of the book just so completely envelops you that you end up in this world and just, you know, burning the the midnight oil. Um, so my recommendation for a book that was just very far away from my personal experience, but that I nonetheless ended up loving was Afterlives by Abdul Razak Gurna. Um, how about let's start with you, Brad Johnson. Is there a, a book like that for you? There, so there's a book by... Uh... A, a writer, a Bosnian writer named Robert uh, Perisic called A Cat at the End of the World. A bizarre, fable-esque uh, book about, uh, it shifts perspectives uh, from a, a runaway slave and also this bodiless spirit that moves through time and space. And like, and so, and in the middle of their sort of narration is this Egyptian cat <laughs> that sort of oversees things almost in sort of, as sort of a deity. Um, and so that's about as far away from my everyday <laughs> experience as I can get. And it's amazing. It's a, such a great book. Um, a Cat at the End of the World. Definitely check it out. It's way off the beaten path, uh, but it's wonderful. 
That sounds very fun. All right, Carlos, the bar has been set high for uh, a book off the beaten path and away from your personal experience. Um, two two quick things. Um, one of your callers mentioned David Gran, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know the the very well known books are like Killers of the Flower Moon and the like. He wrote a a very kind of um, for him lesser known small book called The White Darkness, um, maybe three years ago, um, about one man's quest to kind of walk through Antarctica alone. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful book. Talk about removed from my experience. But um, that's um, that's one that if, if there are any David Grant fans out there, I think it's one that that people are probably um, less likely to have to have um, read than his kind of major, major mm-hmm. bestsellers. Um, uh, the, the the memoir that I started talking about earlier before I, I apologize mm-hmm. I was I was um I was cut off from booted the, the brutally by Zoom yeah is um is called Easy Beauty by Chloe Cooper Jones and um you know she's a, a, a woman a, a writer and a professor who has this very debilitating uh, disability um that but instead of just managing her pain she's constantly managing the reactions of people around her when they. Mm-hmm. Um, because her her disability is very very kind of obvious um, in the way she um, she walks and just kind of moves through the world, and uh, you know the the kind of infantilizing experience that she always um, has from from people around her is one she deals with by escaping to this place called uh, the, the neutral room, which is just in in her mind a, a way to kind of get away from both psychological and and physical pain. It's kind of a travelogue. She goes to a Beyonce, a, a Beyonce concert in Milan, a tennis tournament to see Roger Federer. Um, and those are two central stories in, in this book. Um, part of the experience of being in crowds is kind of unique for her. Uh, I don't want to say too much more, but I'm so mm-hmm. glad I, I read this book. It, it took me to a whole different um, experience of, of life and of mind. Um, and it's just a beautiful kind of voice that propels you through through this memoir. It's called Easy Beauty, Chloe Easy Cooper Beauty. Jones. Another uh, two wrecks were uh, The White Darkness by David Gran and A Cat at the Edge of the of the World from uh, Brad. Well, Brad Johnson recommended it from East Bay Booksellers. Anita, how, how about you? Uh, in the same vein, um, these these books that are sort of far away from perhaps our own experiences, but, but nonetheless deeply affected us. Sure. John Fossey's uh, Subtology came out with its ending sequence. It's actually a seven novel sequence. um, And he came out with uh, two parts of that. And it's um, kind of told all in in one sentence. And it's it's a little wild in that respect. Um, You get into this very different headspace where you're following around a widowed painter in a in a coastal village in Norway. And you know, not that much happens in it, but it, but everything that happens is sort of rendered with this really kind of deep spirituality. Uh, there's a doppelganger, there's uh, alcoholism, there's, you know, a dog. And it's just one of those books where, you know, I, d- I don't think it, it's anywhere really near my experience, but it pulled me into this different space, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's, in translation, which in and of itself, you know, is exciting because it's, you get to see another part of the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but it, at the same time, it has an interiority that's very powerful. 
For people who might be keeping a, a list out there, one, we're going to put one out. And two, that's John, J-O-N, and Fossey, F-O-S-S-E, and it's septology, like September plus ology. Um, let's go back to the phones. We have uh, Leia in Oakland. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to recommend a memoir called This Body I Wore by Diana Gotch. And I came across it just on one of those best of the year uh, lists. And I think it was from the Washington Post, maybe. And, um, yeah, I just I started reading it and I couldn't stop. It's, it's about um, the experience of being a transgender woman and, um, and transitioning in her 50s. And... It really goes to kind of the interior experience in a way that I'd never read before. So I guess it is also in the category of experiences that are different mm. from mine. And <laughs> um, and uh, at the same time, I'm the parent of a transgender person. Mm. So it, it, it was really interesting to, to see that. So to read about that. And there's also like a, a spiritual component. I mean, it's, it's very beautifully written, really fascinating. Um, yeah. That is This Body I Wore, and it's Diana, G-O-E-T-S-C-H, like Goch, like that. Um, thank you That's so right. much, uh, Leah in Oakland. Really appreciate it. That's a great recommendation. I've been meaning to read that one um, as well. While I wasn't looking, a ton of comments came in um, from people wanting to recommend different books. So I'm going to do a little block of them here. Uh, one listener writes... Uh, Climate Restoration by Peter Fikowski, Hope Instead of Doom. That's always nice. Marsha writes Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro, Lyrical, Deep, and Cosmic. Also nice. Uh, Jeffrey tweets, I loved and continue to love Robin Wall, Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass. I'll return to it frequently. And listening to Randy Rainbow's audio performance of his book, Playing With Myself, was a delight. Beth has um, three books as a rabid nonfiction bibliophile. Uh, she recommends local author James Nestor's book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. Sweat, A History of Exercise by Bill Hayes. And The Age of Wood, Our Most Useful Material and the Construction of Civilization by Roland Enos. Uh, I'd add to that, if you like books about exercise, which I assume there's at least some people out there, we also had on uh, Danielle Friedman to talk about her book, Let's Get Physical. Uh, which is sort of like a, a women's history of exercise, and it's really uh, delightful. Um, another listener uh, writes in to recommend Ed Young's Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us. Ed Young, great writer with The Atlantic. Another listener uh, recommends American Midnight by Adam Hochschild. It's a great story, but a crackdown on anti-war protesters and labor organizers in the period 1917 to 1921, some history that's uh, not well known to most Americans. And I want to add a, uh, a, a double recommendation to Bill's uh, recommendation, which is Ray Naylor's recently published novel, The Mountain in the Sea. It's philosophical science fiction set in Vietnam in some undated near future. It explores the nature of consciousness, human, artificial, and octopus, and it is just mind-blowing. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. It is, um, there's so much interesting thinking about how octopus, 
octopuses might think about the world uh, if they formed a socially bonded society. And it's just, it's totally fascinating and weird. Um, Brad Johnson, as we get closer to the end of the hour here, is there a book you think that is, uh, that you haven't read for whatever reason, but you still really, really want to read uh, this year? Absolutely. Oh my God. There's so many. Uh, one that just came out and I, I'm so excited about uh, by Eric Porter. Uh, he's a professor of history, uh, history of consciousness and critical race and ethnic studies at UC Santa Cruz. It's called A, a People's History of SFO. That's right. Mm. The airport. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's it looks amazing. So it's a it's a very complex history. Look, talking about the land upon which the airport is built, also the mineral extraction uh, that built the Bay Area, but also the airport. It's a complex history, uh, but it seems a very readable history as well. So that one, I, I don't even. It, it is you know, it's on our shelves. It's formally launches at, uh, next year, but it is out. It's available. I definitely recommend it, just based upon the premise. Yeah, same. Um, very, that sounds like a fantastic book. I would love to read that. It's, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm super, super stoked about that one. A People's History of SFO, that is. And it's by Eric Porter. Uh, Anita, how about you? What's a book you haven't read, but you feel like, okay, this one, I'm putting it at the top of the many piles around my bed. <laughs> I'm interested in reading How to Read Now by Elaine Castillo. Mm. And it's it's kind of a work of criticism, but it's also, I guess, a little bit of a polemic that looks at how people read in our society and how we might better expand our reading abilities to not not to have empathy for other people, but to just read with a greater awareness of cultural and racial differences. And it kind of looks at an ethics of reading. I started it and it seems fabulous. And I loved her first novel. So I'm, I'm very delighted to be able to finally get to that one next nice that is how to read now by elaine castillo and carlos lozada your aspirational book now that you still want to read (laughs) i have so many aspirational books robert caro is staring at me from these bookshelves i have to read all of those like we all do but there's one that turn every page carlos turn every page (laughs) there's one that i've just started um and i'll 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 cheat because it's it's not fully aspirational I'm, i'm about 80 pages into it. Um, and it is it is a beautiful memoir um, um, by a, a writer actually with with Bay Area roots, um, Stay True by Washu. Mm, yeah, so good. Um, and um, it's just like right now I'm, you know, I it's it's about it's about friendship and it's about the friendships he develops in in college at at Berkeley. Um, and I know that there's big things still to happen that I haven't gotten to, um, but it's just kind of this exquisitely hyper aware yeah. uh, memoir um, in which the, the author who's a, who's a New Yorker writer now um, uh, is just kind of walking yeah. through um, the way he tried to construct his persona as he was growing up mm-hmm. um, and the way that, that he played off that with in, in his, in his friendships. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm loving it so far and yeah. I want to, I'm literally gonna gonna continue when we when we get off the show. <laughs> I keep reading. Um, just for listeners, next week we have this treat. We're replaying some of our favorite author interviews from 2022. So a lot of these books that we've been talking about, Washu and Stay True, um, 
Ingrid Rojas uh, Contreras, uh, The Man Who Can Move Clouds, Javier Zamora Solito, um, Erica Sanchez is Crying in the Bathroom, and Jonathan Escofery's uh, If I Survive You, which is also uh, spectacular. We're going to be replaying those all next week. That's kind of like the the block of things um, that you'll get while we're taking a little break. Um, before we go, uh, let's get to Laura in Oakland. Welcome. Thank you. Um, can you hear me? Sure can. Sure can. Okay. So first off, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to one of your panelists, Brad Johnson of East Bay Booksellers, because they basically put my all my Christmas shopping together for me. I happen to have a movement disability, so I sent them a list, told them who they should go to, who they should be labeled to. They took care of everything. And I'm already hearing from people that they got these beautiful packages, which I've told them not to open any further. Um, and some of them were now, this, this I heard about secondhand via um, KPFA. A friend heard a KPFA program on Hotbed, which is about early um, 20th century group of feminists in, in, in New York. And Santa's giving me that for Christmas also. <laughs> but also, most of, the, most of the other books came off forum. Oh, that's uh, and great. So there's kind of symbiosis going between you. They've been terrific. Oh, thank you so I much, also, Laura. Since you're letting me stay on, I wanted to mention Catherine Schultz because I heard her name. I didn't realize she had a book out, but I'm a New Yorker subscriber, and she is a wonderful writer. And it sparked a memory of, of a trip up to um, Sun River by Bend, Oregon, to meet my brother's families several years ago when she had brought out an article in the New Yorker on the earthquake about the great the Great Cascadia Fault, and and people from Portland. Um, vacation at Sun River, and they were buzzing about it. They were all like, yeah. "Oh no, <laughs> it was great." So, She's fantastic, Laura. You're going to love that that uh, book, Lost and Found, by by Catherine Schultz. It's it's just that is a perfect crystalline book. Um, last set of recommendations from the comments, though there there are more, and I'm sorry we can't get to all of them. But uh, Natalie um, writes uh, for poetry a book called Customs by the Iranian American poet Soma Sharif. The novel, which this is my aspirational book, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel uh, Zevin. And nonfiction, Essential Labor, Mothering a Social Change by Angela Garvis, which she calls necessary reading for everybody who's concerned about mothering and caregiving in our communities, and which I have heard is absolutely spectacular. We have been talking about notable books from 2022. Thank you for joining us. We've had Brad Johnson, owner of East Bay Booksellers in Oakland. Anita Felicelli, editor of Alta Journal's California Book Club and the 2022-2023 Fiction Chair on the board of the National Book Critics Circle. And her books include Chimerica, a novel in the short story collection, Love Songs for a Lost Continent. We've also been joined by Carlos Lozada, opinion columnist at the New York Times, and his book is What Were We Thinking? A Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era. Earlier, we were joined by Wahini Vara. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Scott Schaefer. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence. 
June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.